Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout-out to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, offering CFO and bookkeeping services for small business, Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? The Sony Corporation introduced its home video tape recorder priced at $995. First U.S. combat troops in Vietnam authorized by President Lyndon Johnson. And the second of two cyclones in less than a month kills 35,000 in India. This is June 1965 and you're listening to What the Rip. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. And Bruce brings us this album. Doesn't seem like it's rocking and rolling a whole lot. Oh, it's a rocking. It's a rocking. Guys, I give you the debut album from a 24-year-old lad from Wales. This is Thomas John Woodward. Or today, he is Sir Thomas John Woodward, but you know him as Tom Jones. Indeed. Tom Jones, ladies and gentlemen. And you know what? He can wail. <laughs> he was only 24 at this time. He I, was 24. I, he was I, I a mean, kid. He, he kind of... I don't know. I put him in that Frank Sinatra type thing. Oh, yeah, know, sure. All, all those, you know, the people who were in, Yeah, exactly, in Las Vegas. Yeah. Well, there's a reason for that. But but when he started out, that was not the case. So he was he, he came from Wales. He was, uh, uh, well, let me, before I do, let me back up and tell you, this song, this is, this song is called I've Got a Heart. It's the opening track from the album. The album is called Along Came Jones. And uh, it's a very positive song. It's a boy singing about having a heart that really needs somebody and a mind to keep her, to hold her tight. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a shout-out, though, if I may, Bruce, to my Aunt Linda. I know she's not listening, but uh, my Aunt Linda is, is, I've told you guys before, but my Aunt, she loved Tom Jones, remember, and my mother loved Elvis, but they both loved Neil Diamond. You remember that comment? So Tom Jones, my, my aunt was crazy about him. So, God, I love you, sweet. Well, it was interesting researching this because I really didn't know a lot about Tom Jones. You don't remember uh, listening to it on the radio? No, I can't recall listening to Tom Jones on the radio. All the time, guys. All the time. (laughs) This was before your time. So he got his start as the front man for a beat group called Tommy Scott and the Senators. Uh, But they really didn't go anywhere beyond South Wales. So he had been kind of bouncing around Wales a little bit. And Gordon Mills became his manager took him to London, and renamed him Tom Jones after the Academy Award-winning film of the same name that was released in 1963. So that's kind of how he became Tom Jones. And he was um, he was actually, you know, hitting in the uh, kind of the mainstream rock and roll circuit at this point. This song is called What You Gonna Do. Sounds like and the odd couple. It does, doesn't it? I just thought the same thing when it started out. It has that big band jazz feel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of this is someplace between big band and Motown. You know, there's a Motown feel. 
He has a soulful sound, doesn't he? Yeah. He always has had that. Well, this song is it's a cover song. It was written by American blues and rock singer Chuck Willis. And it's about not running around on your baby. So Tom Jones sang a mix of covers. And uh, Gordon Mills also wrote some songs specifically for him for this album. So it's kind of interesting how this album came about. He moved to London because he thought he'd get a little bit better exposure. And um, his first hit was the one that he would be known for for the rest of his life. It was It's Not Unusual. Oh, yes. yes. Right? So It's Not Unusual went to number one in the U.K., Within a month of its release. Wow. Now, if you think about it, that's unusual because, well, it's not unusual. <laughs> but it's unusual for a, a song to go that quickly, you know, and they, did, they really didn't anticipate it. So it went to number 10 on the Build One, Billboard Hot 100 when it was released in the USA. So it's just this phenomenon, but mm. it was released before he had an album out. Mm. So they rushed him into the studios yeah. and they did a lot of covers about kind of half covers and then half songs that were written for uh, Tom Jones. This is one of the covers that he did. And, uh, you know, just to just to kind of capitalize on that, uh, the buzz from that from that first song. Yeah, yeah. He's got a definite uh, voice. I mean, when you hear it, you know oh, yeah. it's Tom Jones. You know what it sounds like to me a little bit? It sounds like a little bit Little Richard. Okay. Kind of, you know, that little soulful, yeah. Yeah. high-pitched, you know, r- large range. you got to remember that this time there wasn't singer-songwriters. And you mentioned that he's doing uh, covers, but right. it's not really a cover. Everybody, even Elvis, was didn't write any of his songs. Right. He, he was just, he was an entertainer. He was the guy who's the front man. And he just made his interpretation of a song. And that's basically what this was. And... Once again, going back to, you know, Dean Martin, Engelbert Humperdinck, right. Frank Sinatra. They did those type of songs based off of somebody else's written work, not their own. Exactly. Exactly. So Mills and, and Reed wrote feverishly for Jones to get an album out and take advantage of the success of that, that first album. Really? There wasn't a lot from this album other than It's Not Unusual that really, you know, just took off. So, um, and this one, we just moved into kind of the third song. This is one that Gordon Mills wrote specifically for Jones. So this is not a cover. So this mm. is his first album. Yes. So this is his first everything album. Everything else before were just singles, sort of how we talked about before. Is, right. Is before 65, really, albums were not a big deal. Right. It was, it was single, 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 then let's compile them all and put them in an album. Exactly. And, in fact, he didn't really have that much stuff. Okay? He had, he had re- released a song in 64, that didn't do anything. Yep. And then early 65, he released It's Not Unusual, and it just exploded, right? And so they're like, holy crap, we got to do something now. So that's what they did. They kind of rushed in, and they, they, they put this album together. But the album itself, other than It's Not Unusual, there's it didn't really take off. Although I've, I've listened to the album, it's really... It's kind of an interesting snippet into the sixty, the, the mid-60s music outside of the Beatles and yeah. stuff like that that we're already familiar with. But um, it's just interesting to listen to this. And so what happened after this, he released a couple of other albums. They were middling success, but what he really found was he had success with 
film scores. Like mm. they had one that was uh, "What's New Pussycat" that came mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. They had um, the theme to Thunderball. He mm, did that. Yes. Got some uh, press from that. And so Mills, over time, after about the third album, he decided, okay, we're going to point Jones in a different direction. Yeah. And that's where he became the crooner. That's where he became, you know, kind of the Elvis or the Frank Sinatra. Things the like Las that. Vegas fodder. Exactly. Well, <laughs> and here's the thing. He went to Vegas very early in his in his career. He, uh, uh, I think it was 67 that he came over there. I mean, when you think about Tom Jones, you yeah. think Las Vegas, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was 67. He started playing at the Flamingo, and he made a lot of money. And so over time, he spent more time in Vegas doing his live shows and club shows and things like that, and less time producing uh, the, the music. So that's kind of where he got his reputation. He had uh, definitely had the good looks of a, of oh, a yeah. singer, a front man. I mean, if the album, he just looks so cool. He's kind of sitting there in his jeans and... 60s shirt and leaning back you know and what was his what was his shirt uh, as as he went the vegas shirt you remember that no it, I don't. it was unbuttoned about halfway down oh, yeah <laughs> right did he have the gold chain with the medallion basically near his belly button <laughs> <laughs> all right this is it this is the one we know. The one we know. This is where it all started. Gordon Mills and Les Reed wrote it. It came out in February of 1965, so very early. And it entered the charts the week it was released. It went to number one in the U.K. over a month later, and this is just it. I'll tell you, the thing that I think about, though, whenever I hear this song, I go to Mars Attacks. Did you see that movie? No, I did not. This was used in that? Oh, yeah. Did you? Okay, y'all got to see Mars Attacks. Were they blowing people up or something? Well, I think I remember that. Yes. So he's performing in the Vegas club, and the Martians are running through shooting people while he's performing. Gotcha. (laughs) It's a fantastic movie. Does anybody also get reminded of uh, Alfonso Rivero? Yeah. And uh, what's the show he was in with Will, Will Smith, the... Men in Black? What are you talking about? No, it's this. Oh, Fresh Prince? Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Mm-hmm. And remember, Alfonso Rivero's character loved to dance to this. <laughs> <laughs> so this is always, you know, I, I never watched the show that much, but I, I, I remember seeing clips of this. So one other thing I'll mention, you, you talked about Elvis, and he met Elvis Presley at Paramount Studios in 1965. They'd both be regulars in Las Vegas, and they became really good friends. When, when did Wayne Newton hit the scene over there? Was he around the same time or was he after that? I don't know. I was never a big Wayne Newton fan. Nor was I, but I just I know Elvis was big yeah. and so was Tom Jones. I mean, you had Liberace. Liberace. Who yeah. else was on the strip? Those oh, four. I, mean, well, I talked uh, about Dean Martin. The I Brat mean, Pack. The, the Rat yeah. Pack. Uh, yeah. Or the Rat Pack. Rather. I said the Brat Pack. The Brat Pack never made that it. That was in the 80s, yeah. yeah. Thanks, that, Bruce. That's a nice trip. Now we're moving on to our entertainment track, brought to us by Right Column Financial. Speaking of uh, themes. Yeah, we have What's New Pussycat by Burt Backrack. 
And this was the title song to the movie by Woody Allen. It was his first Green Palette, and he starred in it. And it's a sort of a comedy. It had Peter Sellers in it. Peter O'Toole, I didn't know he was a comedian, and Ursula Andress. She was one hot mama back in the day. Yeah. So, I, mean, I think a lot of bands covered this song. Well, Tom Jones, there you go. But this was the original back in you know, June 1965. Other movies that came out, Shenandoah. Uh, remember an American Civil War movie with James Stewart. Is, yep. I think it was him trying to keep his sons from going to war. I recall, or something like that, and then you know, just just, just trying to protect his family from the yeah. Civil War, if I recall. Up from the beach, uh, Cliff Robertson and Red Buttons. It was uh, something about a D-Day invasion. I don't even remember that one. <laughs> the, those magnificent men and their flying machines, or how I flew to London to Paris in 25 hours and 11 minutes, it was a. Uh, period comedy film about you know these guys who who had no jobs after world war one and so they just basically flew airplanes i'll take sweden a comedy featuring bob hope frankie avalon and tuesday well hmm. so um don't remember that one the hallelujah trail was a western mockumentary i didn't know they had mockumentary back then that's but, funny uh, they had burt lancaster and lee remick in it so i hmm. uh, I'm surprised he was in something like that. Yeah. Cat Baloo, if you guys remember that, that was a, a comedy film with Jane Fonda and Lee Marvin. Uh, and he won an Academy Award for Best Actor for that, Lee Marvin. Great actor. But that was your entertainment from June 1965. Wow, wow. Elvis Presley had a movie out too, but who? when did he not? When did he not? All right, so uh, we're, I'm going to kick off the staff All right, picks. Rob, go for it. So I was trying to figure out what to cover. I wasn't even born at this point, so I'm really doing some good research. And I saw I'll Keep Holding On, and it, I, like, I think I know the title of that song. It's not the one I was thinking of. But That's the Simply Red no, version you're talking a, about. No, yeah. there's a, a, a version that came out a couple years after this. Or, or the they same did, year. There were some covers, but this is the Marvelettes. And the Marvelettes were an American group. They were these ladies that went to school together, Gladys Horton, Katherine Anderson, Georgiana Tillman, Juanita Cowart, and Wanda Young. They were the first act in Motown that was success after the Miracles. Hmm. So it's kind of interesting, all-girl all group. And the song was written by a guy named Mickey Stevenson and Ivy Joe Hunter. And it made it to number 34 on the Billboard charts. But it made it to number 11 on the R&B charts. This was the first one that Wanda Young was singing lead on. They had uh, Gladys Horton was usually singing lead, but this voice you're hearing here is Wanda Young. But I just kind of thought it was, when I was listening to it, I'm like, I, I like that. That's it's fun. got a good sound good feel to it yeah i, I want to say that i forget who did the remake but it is the rockin version of this yeah they had a number they they, they the british uh act the action covered it in yeah, that's 1966. who it is the action, that's right is that who you're thinking yeah, of that's what i'm thinking of apparently they were um 
They were rivals with the Supremes. I thought that was interesting. Well, that's when, when you mentioned that they were the first successful female group, I was thinking the Supremes. Yeah. So it would make sense that they the would Supremes be somewhat totally rivals. The Supremes totally blew them out of the water by sure. the time they got going, got rolling. And they, so they have uh, their the biggest hits that you'll know is that they sang is uh, Please, Mr. Postman. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then Don't Mess With Bill. So those were two songs that you would, if you heard those, you would definitely know them. So, yep, I'll keep holding on by the Marvelettes. And now we're going on to our next staff pick. And it's going to Brian. Help us out, Brian. I'll be glad to, but I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask Rhonda for her assistance. <laughs> we all know who this is. Oh, yeah. This is our friends from California called the Beach Boys. And actually, this song, according to song facts, is where guitarist Al Jardine sang lead. We're used to, you know, hearing from Brian Wilson mm-hmm. or from um, oh, you know, yeah. Mike Love, but okay. this is Al Jardine singing the lead. And this is a, an interesting because, as we know, my, you know, Mike Love and, and, and Brian Wilson rant, wrote most of those songs, but they brought in some pretty good studio musicians on this as too. Does the name Glenn Campbell mean anything to you? Oh, wow. Oh, so this He's is the wrecking guitar. Crew. The wrecking crew was the backup band for this. Yep. Glenn Campbell's playing lead guitar. The words get out of my heart appear five times. Help me, Rhonda. Help me, help me, Rhonda appears 18 times. <laughs> so. so who hasn't had a friend that was name Rhonda and you'd always just bug the hell out of her when you needed needed a, a hand you go help me Rhonda <laughs> I did that quite a bit I'm sure they roll their eyes uh, everybody yeah. named Rhonda another trivial name that you'll know Daryl Dragon oh yeah, you remember him from Captain yeah. Captain Captain Neil? he's playing that's right this was before he changed his that's name right. we, we were wondering why would you change your name if you're Daryl Dragon to the captain <laughs> <laughs> he's playing the, the organ in this song so Got some heavy hitters in this I'd lineup. I'd say the Beach Boys are just timeless. Uh, it's just amazing the music that they put out. You know, some of the songs that we've heard today, you wouldn't hear now. But yeah. this song, you would hear, you know, just about any time. It's true. Now, is Rhonda a real person? I'm and gonna say yes. According to Mike Love, she is not oh. a real person. So basically, just to, it encapsulates the heartbreak. Hmm. That you said, you know, you would encounter if. So I wonder how you decide. We need a name. Like, is it help me, Barbara? Should it be they help me? Had Barbara Ann, so, you know. Should it be yeah. help me, Juanita? <laughs> <laughs> so, basic, help me soon. so basically, he was trying to get over a breakup by hooking up with Rhonda. Yep, but there is no real Rhonda, according to my club. Help me, Sandy. <laughs> help me Renee help me Cindy <laughs> we could uh, we could uh, of course plug in any name we want to but this is we, we couldn't sell as much as they did yeah that was a fun one so now we're we're flipping it over to Wayne who has the rocking most rocking his songs on the podcast from 1965 June we have the sorrows the sorrow now that's a name I have not yeah. heard the song is take a heart it's got a Native American kind of feel Uh-oh. to it. Uh-oh. Got a little yes, Cherokee it people there. Yes. You know why? Why? Because the guy who wrote this song wrote that song. Oh. oh. Wow. Good call. 
exactly. That was this is Indian Reservation was the was the song That's right. by Paul Revere and the Razor. He didn't steal, he borrowed it. He basically he redid the whole song. If it's your own, if you wrote it, can you steal it from yourself? Can you be an Indian giver? <laughs> well, the Sorrows are called a freak beat band. Freak beat. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of a R&B, kind of a little aggressive, edgy, kind of raw. It's, yeah. It is yeah. very raw. It's there is a rawness to it. You're right. And it has the same kind of bill, too, as the Indian yes. res- Indian Nation or whatever. Yeah. They formed in 63 in Coventry, England. Um, this is their first album. There's some rocking. Oh, really? It's yeah. screaming guitars here. Yeah. A lot of drums. I mean, it's just that guitars. Buzzing. Yeah, man, that's wailing, a, isn't it? Yeah, heavy metal. And like you said, the tom toms back there. Uh, they didn't really have much. I mean, they 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 reformed in 2011, but I can't Whoa. see if they were playing gigs or not. You know? That was a big jump. Yeah, uh, some call them sort of proto punk. Uh, I mean, it, it, it is kind of hitting you in the face in that, but. I, yeah. I, I can't pigeonhole this type of music. Yeah, there's no, it's 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 before the division, right? Yeah. So it feels a little psychedelic. It feels a little punk, a little garage band. But this is 1965. We're talking about, yeah. you know, the the Beatles were out. The, you know, Beatles had actually two albums come out this month. They had Beatles for sale in the United States, and oh. they actually had Beatles Beatles Six. You know, you had the Yardbirds for your love, mm-hmm. but that wasn't. I mean. You know, them had the angry them. Yeah. Rolling Stones, give, give, live if you want it. I mean, that wasn't, or got live if you want it. That one was more remakes mm-hmm. of old blues songs. So, the, Mr. Tambourine Man mm-hmm. uh, by the Birds. Um, Frank Sinatra had an album out, Bobby Benton. So, you didn't really have a whole lot of groups that were out there doing that. But basically, about this song is a guy breaks the heart of a girl. And then he falls back in love with her, and guess what? She breaks his. Uh, oh. I can imagine. Yeah, so. Turnabout is fair play. Exactly. It, what's amazing about this time is, you know, we, in the with the perspective of so many years, you know, you know where rock was going to go, but at this point, there's a lot of little areas where it mm. could have gone and, and mm. you know, kind of didn't. That just kind of fades out. Yeah, that was the sorrows. Take a heart. All right. Now we're going to move on to Bruce. That's Finish right. it up, Bruce. This song was written by Anthony Newley and Leslie Bricus for the musical The Roar of the Grease Paint, The Smell of the Crowd. And it was performed first in 1964 by Cy Grant for the UK tour and Gilbert Price for the 1965 Broadway tour. And this is Nina Simone and the song is Feeling Good. I just love her style. And I'm feeling good. Nice bluesy. Oh, here we go. Nice bluesy. bluesy. Yeah. So I heard this. We were watching The Marvelous Ms. Maisel. And I watched, I heard this song and I thought, oh, that's a great song. I said, all right, I'm going to put that one on the list if it's in the range. And it turned out that Nina Simone uh, recorded it and released her album in 1965 called I Put a Spell on You. That's an old blues, old blues song. This was never released as a single. 
but you're you hear it these days a little bit more often. It's period pieces will catch it, and I think there's a commercial or two that uses the strings it. in the background there. It's a big, it's an orchestra behind her yeah. on this one, not not just a band. I definitely feel like you're in an upscale club and she's walking through the audience. Yeah, singing. You know, yeah. with a with yeah. a tight dress and just kind of and smoke everywhere, right? Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. it's definitely not a non-smoking on club. Her, on her, on yeah. her dress, yeah. yeah, all reflecting. Yep. That pre-Las Vegas look. Yes. <laughs> See, I can see something like this in Chicago. You know, the movie yeah. Chicago. Uh-huh. Yeah, just something like that. Yeah, that's got a good feel to it. Now, is Nina from the States, or is she from Europe, or somewhere else? I believe she's from the States. I could be wrong about that. Also, I think she's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, if I recall, or or she was, I know she was nominated. Yeah. I don't know if she got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or not. She was an, a, a singer, songwriter, musician, arranger, and civil rights activist. Okay. And she covered jazz and blues and all kinds of things. She's kind of she's kind of singing, but she's really kind of talk singing too. A little bit, you know, like that. Wow. That's nice. nice. Yeah, nice. that was fun. What a voice. You got the wide range, some of that rock, and then we got the the some soul, soul, some blues, stuff. exactly, mm-hmm. some First Nation. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we're gonna try to catch up what we didn't get to earlier and now we got our instrumental track you sure i thought it says no matter what the shape your stomach's in yes that 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 sounds like a a A comedy yeah it it was recorded by the t-bones and released as a single in 1965 it wasn't actually released in june of 1965 but i thought it was interesting because the guy that wrote this dave pell he he wrote it based on an Alka-Seltzer TV commercial. Oh, really? That's why he called it, no matter what shape your stomach's in. <laughs> I, I thought that was interesting. He's, he, uh, he went to the studio with members of the Wrecking Crew and recorded this uh, based on that. It was like he, he, he got the idea to take TV commercials and release them on 45 singles to see if he could get radio airplay and maybe a hit record. It's just a weird way to approach it, isn't it? Hmm. This anyway. is actually in my in my database of, of songs, so I actually know this song. Do you really? Yeah, I've, I, it's sort of a surf song. You know, you can it hear is. That, a bit. that yeah. tanging guitar. Well, in music of June of 1965, Sonny and Cher make their first TV appearance on American Bandstand. Oh, wow. So, I'm sorry to interrupt. Wasn't she 18 or 16 at the she time? She was real young at the time. Yeah. So I don't know. She keeps on getting younger. She's probably 12 now. Oh. You know? <laughs> she doesn't want to be no. known to be that old. She wants to be preserved. Exactly. The Kinks arrive in New York City beginning their first U.S. tour. And top hits of June 1965, Back in My Arms Again, The Supremes, as we talked about. Wooly Bully, Sham, Sam and the Sham and the Pharaohs. Crying in the Chapel, Elvis Presley, I Can't Help Myself, The Four Tops, and Mr. Tambourine Man, The Birds, as we talked about earlier. All right. Well, this is a short episode. Again, the 60s. What do we have? 27 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to have to listen to it again. Make, finish your run if you're listening to us or your commute. All right. Well, you've been listening to What the Riff, June 1965. 
This is Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to What the Riff? We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Wright Column Financial, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Riff?